Thursday night, 9.05, Derek and John, and no driving glove. Roll that beautiful gauge footage. Yes, that's what we're doing. Yeah. If you're joining us on the audio podcast, obviously, it's a generic time of the day and a generic date. But if you'd like to watch us record the show, we record every night, or excuse me, every Thursday night. Every Thursday night. At 9.05, give or take a minute. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, a beautiful, beautiful, sunny, rainy, cloudy, overcast day, wherever you all are driving, listening to us. Yes, it's a wonderful, it is the absolute perfect or worst weather that you could be driving. And at least you're not on your cell phone. Hopefully, hopefully you're Bluetoothed and listening to us over your infotainment system in your car through your Bluetooth or connected USB cable. Or your Apple CarPlay and your Android CarPlay, which hopefully will well, not become a vehicle subscription like BMW tried a few years back for, what was it, three or $400 a year? You know, John, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to guess that it will be. Mm, that one's going to be tough, but who knows? Sirius XM might step in and uh, make that happen. Mm-hmm. But we might, oh, we might touch on some of this uh, uh, automotive subscription stuff. We've been teasing it, but the news comes out every week on Every week, uh, every hour. Yeah, it's something new, some some new bitch, some new complaint, some new person got screwed. Um, I've actually seen a couple, though, that it looks like people understand what's going on and that it's not really the doomsday they think. You know, actually, but, John, never, I just, I, I, well, but, but hang on, because I just, I just had a thought. Because you know how we smoke. have, exactly, you know how we have the, that is a really bad way to phrase that. But we have active fuel management now, right? So we have engines that can turn cylinders on and off. You can go from a, you know, eight cylinder to a four cylinder, eight cylinder to a six cylinder, whatever they deem is, you know, the computer deems is the most fuel efficient. Do you think we'll go so far as to have a subscription for your cylinders? Like, well, you have an eight cylinder, but you're only paying for the four cylinder engine. So, you know, we'll, we'll let you run on. I got to doubt or doubt that that's going to happen. Uh, mainly because um, we're not going to have four-cylinder and eight-cylinder engines. Well, that's true. That's but true. we do we do have it with you know Tesla offers it. I've got an article about VW kind of wanting to offer it. I mean, you can buy your Tesla uh, piece, you know, uh, model Tesla Model S P sixty, and with the software upgrade, make it a P eighty. And actually, I read a story about a guy that bought a Tesla P60 and put, I think, a P90 battery pack in it and ran it as a P90 and then did an update with Tesla and came back. Tesla then came back to him a week later and said, hey, um, you have the wrong software in your car. And they downgraded him back to a P60. He's going, wait a second. You know, so right now I know with Tesla, you can buy some uh, additional performance. And I think some additional, uh, some of the manufacturers are going to, that's going to be part of the deal. But, um, well, we'll save it for another day. If we stay with the ice engine, though, I could see that happening. Uh, let's see here. Listening while trying out together auction order of sale to put together auction order. Ooh, what are we auctioning? Yeah. What are we auctioning, Kobe? Oh, Toby, we've talked about it on the show before. Toby is in charge of the New England Auto Auction up at the Owl's Head Transportation Museum. Oh. So big auction coming up, and he is getting everything ready for it. Mm-hmm. What do I want? So if you're looking on? for, if if you're, yeah, if you're in the market, you're looking for a good auto auction, head out to Owl's Head, Maine. It's, it's just a short drive. Believe me, I've done it before. Very short. Anyway. Especially uh, if you're in, like, yeah. um, New Hampshire. Yeah, or Vermont. <laughs> 
or you know maine really sucks if you're in hawaii uh, so so uh is it my week to go yeah. first i don't know just let's just gripe let's just complain now i spend a lot of time anymore at walmart <laughs> boy everybody's envious walmart has your bingo cards must just be full i mean they <laughs> just must be marked right out um Walmart has these little wonderful three-wheel scooters or whatever that people can just get on and ride. It doesn't matter if you need them or not. I think anybody can ride them, and they're not going to throw you off of them because, boy, that looked bad. But what gives them carte blanche to do whatever the heck they want? Going through the parking lot. Or excuse me, they're electric. Exactly. They don't care if you're driving down the aisle. They don't care if they're driving the wrong way down the middle of the aisle. They have the damn right away. And tough to you. If they're in the store, see, it's motorized, so I still feel it's a, a car gripe. If they're in the store, you have to get out of their way, period. Uh, it doesn't matter. I had one, and this is kind of where the gripe came up. I had one about a week ago. I'm sitting there doing what I need to do, doing an audit. And I heard, move, 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 right before the guy hit me. There were two of us in that area of the store, me and that guy. He, I was up against a display, working the display, counting and doing the audit. He had plenty of room to swerve behind me or something. But I guess the proper etiquette is I was supposed to realize he was there walk to the other side of the display in the direction he was traveling and step out of the way as opposed to him slightly swinging to the left, or excuse me, to the right. I'm kind of tired of it. Yes, I understand the need for these devices. Um, I'm scared because I've started to see them at some targets. Uh, you know, just the, there are people that need them. And it's a nice feature. But the way they drive them, when they're done with them, they just leave them in the parking lot. Now, I can kind of understand that, that, oh, you know, you can't really scoot them over to the shopping cart area and then hobble back to your car because you needed them in the first place. But my question is, how did you get to it if you parked your car? Then you had to go get it. Somebody didn't bring it out to you. You somehow, so there was some walking involved. How about not necessarily just leaving them behind the car next to you? I've seen that more often than not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they, well, you know, you know, here I am. I'm getting into my GMC Envoy, yay, and, and I'm pulling away, and I've left my cart, you know, behind the Volvo park next to me. Now the guy in the Volvo may or may not even know how the thing you, works, may or may not even see it. You know, let's. I guess I, I, let's just get along. I mean, do you mean do you mean actually have some? like common sense and uh, be considerate. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, yeah. Hmm. That's that my um, automotive gripe. And I'm going to hit one of these, one of these days, you know, tootling along behind you. You don't really see them, you know, and they pull you don't hear them. drive right behind you while you're backing up, which I think I bitched about that before cars that just do that. Mm -hmm. You're backing out of a parking spot and nobody swerves. Nobody slows down. They expect you to see them. And I'm assuming they think everybody's got rear view cameras except them because they're usually driving, you know, the 94 S10 or something that's all clapped out. Probably hoping the insured person hits them. Yeah. Um, well, see, they're, they're hoping their coffee can muffler and loud exhaust is enough to warn you they're coming. But I was in a parking lot today and it was cool and I tried to get the picture. And if you start watching Instagram, I decide I'd drive, 
decided I drive three to 4,000 miles a month. So our Instagram is going to become a little bit more active. We got a contest we're going to start throwing on it in the next couple of weeks. But I'm starting to take pictures of the interesting automotive or transportation things I see during the the station wagon I spoke about a few weeks ago, the 78 um, uh, Grand Marquis station wagon I stopped, took a picture of today. It's still for sale. Same lot had a um, crew cab, square bodied Chevy long bed. Uh, so I took a picture of that. That, that stuff's going to start showing up. But I pulled into a parking spot today and across from me was probably a 92 to 95 Jeep Cherokee. And then next to it was an older Ranger, the flat front Ranger from the you know 90s. And then next to it was a Pontiac Aztec. It was just like pulling into the parking lot, you know, back in 93 or I guess it would have been 2000 with the Aztec there. But I was going to say, you're really putting the Aztec a little early there. It, it was kind of cool. And then as I'm walking in, I almost stopped and took the picture reverse because the Aztec was parked facing a Buick Rendezvous uh, SUV. It's scary how much those two look alike. If you just curve the Aztec or you sharpen mm-hmm. the angles, it's the same damn truck. <laughs> but we don't make fun. You know, Walter White doesn't drive a Buick. Well, the Buick's rounded out, has better lines, smoother look, and all those good things. And it wasn't one of the first of its kind to have radical design, right? So there's nothing to make fun of. There's nothing to go, whoa, why did they do that? That is hideous. Aztec was such a groundbreaking truck, and I think people will... I think it's... I honestly think it'll become a collectible. uh, Kind of like a along the lines of maybe a Corvair, you know, a little mm-hmm. controversial. Um, we'll still have some desire. It'll be, still be worth keeping. Um, I don't know if I'd go Corvair. I might go Edsel. Now, see, because I was that say- was another, well, Edsel was another one of those, the design ish, you know, people didn't really like the design. They didn't like certain things. So, you know, Corvair was more, you know, the whole Ralph Nader thing that kind of led to all the issues there. Uh, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Yeah. See, I, I, I was even going to disqualify the Etzel in mind because I think the Etzel, yeah, was a design failure. Um, people hated it. It, I, to this day, I don't see it getting a lot of, a lot of respect, but the Corvair seems to have come around and become a, a lot more respectable than that. And like I said, the the Aztec has created this whole genre of cars. I mean, the, the BMW GT things and Mercedes, and they all have these four-door slope-back SUVs. I mean, even Porsche makes the Cayenne, and I think it's called the Sportback or something, which doesn't make any sense. To None of these make any sense. Why buy an SUV and then cut out half the cargo area so you because you slope the back? That's just me. I don't understand. It must work. They must sell. It's cool. It's profitable. Sorry, I pronounced profitable. (laughs) Uh, So where are we going, Derek? You know, have you seen any of these? Oh, I didn't know if that meant it was my turn to complain. Oh, I thought we waited to the end of the show for you to complain. Oh, okay. I'll wait. I'm I'm good to wait. It lets it stew inside of me and really build up so I can get the anger. What was the, uh, I was looking for some of the little news articles that I had seen that popped up. Yeah, I was going to say, I think tonight we're going to chat about some recent automotive news. Because something popped up. Um, I, there's a couple more things. Auto, like I said, this automotive subscription stuff changes so much, and there's so much to talk about. I mean, I'm sitting here, 
that's the kind of stuff I'm dealing with here, guys, trying to put the show together for that. And I promise you, next week I'm going to have it completely organized and we're going to do a full show. But Toyota Key Fob Remote Start will now require a subscription fee. A monthly fee for car features. It's coming. Apple CarPlay for BMW models. Here's a quick look, which is was subscription. VW in the near future. Customers could turn on performance, luxury, on and off for a fee. Want to download more horsepower to your car? Car companies could start charging monthly fees for common add-on features. Car companies stand to make billions by charging you monthly fees for add-on features like heated seats. Fiat has come out and said by 2028, 2029, they expect 20 to $25 billion a year in revenue subscription. Um, what else do we have here? Um, um, Audi owner finds basic HVAC function paywalled after pressing the button for it which that one was a, a good article because he actually understood it. And don't panic, uh, BMW subscription models explained, and that's from that's BMW defending what they're trying to do. I mean, and it, the articles just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. Well, it's an interesting time, right? I mean, throughout the history of the automobile, well, throughout the history of transportation, every time we make a change, everybody, it's basic business, right? You're you're looking oh. for ways to make a profit. We just talked. You know, we just mentioned profitable, uh, and so you know here we are. We're moving from number one. We're going to be moving from internal combustion most likely to electric vehicles and everything that's happening there. But also, you know, a lot of. I mean, we've seen it in the past two decades that uh, a good sector of the automotive industry is they're losing profit margin right on cars and they're trying to find ways to make money so why not make every option something that they can make money on and well, it's it's just common i think it's just common development and and progression i honestly the more i read about it when i first read about it it was horrible i thought it was a bad idea the more i read about it the more i'm beginning to embrace the idea um i think it, what I'm saying is we touched on it a few weeks ago. Manufacturers are going to be able to build the cars. Every car is going to be the same, which will make, to me, make them easier to service, e easier to train the dealer techs. You're going to pay a price for the car, and then you pay for the options that you want, kind of like you do now. You know, you might, when you buy the car, pay a few hundred dollars, and you have this option as long as you own the car. Or you might elect to do it at whatever it is, $9.95 a month for this, $16.95 a month for this, and add one or $200 to your car payment. Uh, if you're able to kind of do that, because there's a serious XM, I learned they cannot finance subscription costs into a loan. It's some legal thing, but I'm sure they'll work around that. But you're going to be able to do that. Then the next guy who gets your car, you know, when you do your trade-in value, none of those options are going to matter. Your trade-in value will be on that car. And then that car goes on to the next owner, and maybe the next owner doesn't want heated. Or maybe the next owner uh, wants 60 more horsepower than you had. They can subscribe to it, and they can kind of, they, they get to, even as a used car, you know, get exactly what they want. You're going to start buying, you'll just start buying this entity, and then when you get it, you choose what you want. And I think it, it you don't have to then go, you know, I really want to get XYZ car, but I really want it with air conditioning and heated seats and power windows and power door locks and remote start and 
you know, backup monitoring and cross traffic alerts, but you can't find one with all of that stuff. Now you mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You can go out and buy any XYZ card and for a couple of bucks, you can add it to it. So all you've got to do now is choose the color. Um, I think, you know, I think, I think something else on top of this is that, and I think we've mentioned it on the show before that I've talked to a number of people I know in the dealership world, and I'm, I'm pretty sure John, you had, had reinforced this the last time we talked about it. You know, most people in the, in the dealership world right now are saying, you know, pretty soon we're not going to have dealerships. We're not going to have what we think of as the dealership today. It's going to be a different experience. It's going to be a, a totally different program of buying cars. And I think this plays right into it because you build every car the same other than the color of the exterior and interior. You don't need a dealership. You don't need to have multiple different versions of the car or of cars out and in a place for where people go to order their car to be built, right? Which is what you do with the dealership. If you don't like anything on the lot, you go in, well, I really want to buy a Silverado, but you don't have the one with my options. And so I'd like to order it to be built and they write it out, you know, they use their allotment and they get it ordered and so on and so forth. But coming down to something like this, where again, every car is built the same, all the options are in there. It's just a matter of a switch that's going to turn them on or off with a subscription. You don't need what we think of as the dealership uh, network that's out there today. So the dealership network will change into service and they might have one of each model and you can't buy that. Everything's going to could go to order. And the funny thing is, is I remember you know, I was reading Iacocca back in the 80s. Um, so one of the first things he did with Chrysler to bring it out of the bankruptcy and all that that it was in, or to save Chrysler, was he stopped pre-building cars. Every car you bought from Chrysler in the early 80s was ordered. You ordered it with exactly what you want wanted, and it was delivered. There were very few Chryslers just spec-built and de- sent to the dealership. To be honest, I thought that's how cars were bought. My dad was buying a tremendous number of cars for the business in that in uh, the 80s and even the early 90s. And everything we ever bought was ordered. Nothing. I don't. I can't recall any time we've ever walked into the showroom and bought a car and went home with it. And I think that's what. Again, like you said, that's what we're moving to. It's going to be. You're going to have. We'll use Tesla for example. You're going to have a Model S. You're going to have a Model Three. You're going to have a Model X. You're going to have a Model Y. They're going to sit there on the showroom. You know, I know Tesla doesn't use deal. And you can walk in, you can sit in them, blah, blah, blah. And then you can walk over to a kiosk. I want this, this, and this. Or you can go home and go, I want this, this, and this. And you'll enter your social security number. The financing offers will pop up, just like if you apply for a loan online or a credit card online. And boom, you know, your car will appear. Uh, You know, it might. And since they're all built alike and it's just a color, they're, you know, they're, it's easy to pre-build for everybody and it shouldn't be more than a week, week or two weeks for you to get your car delivered brand new. Um, I think it's a wonderful model. I think it will be accepted. And even the color thing comes into play because I remember, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, Nissan actually has developed color changing cars Mm -hmm. that by changing electrical current to the exterior, the color changes. Guess what? subscription you want a blue car that's what you i think that's you paid for a blue car but if you happen to want a red car to go out that night 
call up BMW and for $29.95, you got a red car for 24 hours, you know, and, or excuse me, Nissan, you got a car for 20, you know, so it, there's a lot of options. And I think it's, it could be an interesting, interesting world. Uh, I mean, the way things are developing, I heard a interview this week with the uh, vice president of design and brand image for Lucid. And he was talking about, and he made a comparison that I never thought about. What's the car, if if we stay with electric, heck, even if we go stay go with hydrogen or whatever, what's the car going to look like in 30 years? Because we no longer have to have the engine in front. When all the cars are autonomous and technically cannot crash into each other, well, all of a sudden things like the VW microbus come back because... You know, crash cars can't crash anymore because they talk to each other. Safety laws will change, and a lot of car designs dictated by what, safety laws right now. So, what do you think? What do you think those car conversations sound like when cars talk to each other? Do you think they're like? Do you think they're just like, oh god, man, you should, oh, the people that are riding in my the car today, I'm just, oh god, I need a drink. Did you see that stupid 400-pound SOB that drove his little scooter behind us today? At the- <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Hey, hey, check this one out. Check this out. Yeah, look at this guy. He doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he really brought up a point. When the car came about, even go back to the uh, Daimler-Benz patent motor wagon, they looked like buggies. The Benz. 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 Not Daimler-Benz, just Benz. They look, well, they look like buggies. And cars looked like buggies for a while. And then all of a sudden, somebody put a steering wheel in. And then all of a sudden, somebody put the motor in the front. And then all of a sudden, car design developed from gradually, you know, over 20 years, went from looking a car, looking like a horseless carriage, literally, to looking like a car. And kind of Henry Ford dictated it. The motor goes in the front. This is where everything goes. The driver sits here. And that's what cars have looked like. Now, when we take away the safety parameters, we take away the fact it has to have an engine. We take away that the fact that the motors that propel it can be mounted on each wheel. We open up all these new options. I mean, yes, the Ford Lightning looks like a Ford pickup truck, looks like an F-150, but it's got that frunk in it that is amazing. I mean, tons and tons of storage space. Now you've got a pickup truck that has a weathertight storage compartment and the massive bed. But who's to say that you can't move the driver compartment all the way to the front of the truck and now end up with a 12-foot bed or something? Oh, uh, sweet. The Econoline trucks. Exactly. They can bring back all oh, they could bring back the Econoline. Yes. You Give know, me a call, Ford, if you I, I the the reason we don't have the Econo line, the reason we don't have the VW microbus that we used to have in the 60s, front end collision. Because when you had an accident, the second thing to arrive at the accident right after the front wall of the van was your feet. Uh, and you, you can't quite do that and have crumple zones and everything. That's why vans have all went to the longer noses. Uh and, and such, you know, you don't really have that short stubbiness anymore. Uh, nothing flat front, you know, the, what was it? The old um, Toyota van, minivan from the, the mid 80s. Mitsubishi had one. Oh, you know, there yeah, were, yeah, yeah. You know, they had tons of these little things. Um, what's the little 
is it the Delica or whatever? The little Japanese van everybody loves can't have that. Yeah. Anymore. And then was it the, was it one of the, the, was it Daihatsu maybe that had the flat front little trucks, the work trucks Yep, that ran around? Mm-hmm. I mean, as close as you come now, and I don't know the last time I saw a new one is the Isuzu cab overs that they put the box trucks on. Oh, but yeah. then again, those trucks don't have to submit themselves to crash testing like cars do. So they don't have to be mm-hmm. built to those safety stands. So it's really, I never really thought about it, but listening to that interview, it could, alternative fuel well, it's, could it's be gonna a really change. cool thing in transportation. Yeah, it is. It's going to change everything. I mean, you can you can see it already, but I mean, look how far the automobile has come in design in 100 years. From 1922, when cars didn't any longer look like horseless carriages, to today, there's massive design change. And yes, a lot of it is uh, safety and everything you know that has gone into that. But it's also aerodynamic styling. It's just overall design for appeal, right? So people will actually buy the car. They like the look, the styling, uh, all of that. But you're right. Anytime, look at the massive change in what the Corvette looks like from the seventh generation C7 Corvette to the eighth generation Corvette because we moved the engine to a mid-mount situation. It's a mid-ship, and you now have a shorter front nose. You have better... And one of the biggest things about, especially mid-engine vehicles or rear-engine vehicles, you can shorten the front end up, and you have better visibility for driving. Now, if we have autonomous vehicles, we don't necessarily need that better visibility, right? But it, it impacts all of the design. It impacts... It's not just, oh, we... you know we moved the engine or the power plant, whatever we're using to the back of the car again, which is really where it started. Okay. So, well, actually, I guess the very first car, the Cugno started with it out front and then the Benz put it in the back. But anyway, long story. Um, you know, it's not only getting rid of all that mass out front, but it's also from a design perspective and, you know, just, safety and visibility it improves that as well so it's it's going to be another one of those massive leaps in design and styling and all of that once we start figuring these things out and you can see that looking back at uh, i will say looking back at electric cars throughout history they almost always looked different there was there were some that looked like internal combustion engine vehicles because they thought it would sell better if you looked like you had an internal combustion vehicle. Specifically thinking very early on the 1909 Baker Electrics, uh, they actually made them with a, a hood out front to look more like an internal combustion vehicle than an electric. And over time, there have been companies that have converted internal combustion vehicles to electric cars. So they still look like an internal combustion vehicle, but they're fully electric. Uh, but you know, the majority of electric cars have totally different styling than the internal combustion vehicles because you have more ability to, you know, play around with them. At present, I, d- I disagree with you. A Tesla looks like an internal combustion car. A Fisker looked like an internal combustion car. A Lucid looks like an internal combustion car. And a Rivian looks like an internal combustion. But why? But why? Because right now, that's what we. That expect. is what. 
it's what we accept. And that's, as I was saying, over time, that has happened where electric vehicle companies have done that because it was more acceptable and they thought they would sell better. And we know, I mean, we know from the EV1 in the 90s with GM, which still looked pretty much like internal combustion engine, but was was quite a bit different. Amazing car for the coefficient of drag, but and you know, but we have learned within the last, I would say, 30 to 40 years that right now, at this moment in time that we're in, a radical design change to of an electric vehicle that looks nothing like the cars we drive on the road today, at least by Americans, is not going to be well accepted. But I don't know. Like I said, it's just something that I had never thought about is, you know, the freedom of styling, because all of a sudden now we could have effectively a round car where people just kind of sit in a circle with a table in the middle. Um, We could have cars that you get in and the front row faces the rear row so that you could talk to each other because the car's driving itself. You know, you eliminate that icky thing of driving your car. Um, the de- you know, the design possibilities are endless. I mean, you could have front entry, rear entry, and sit long ways like you do on a bus or something facing each other. Uh, it's like you said, we're not going to jump into it right away. At some point, one of these manufacturers is going to come out with something that is a little bit radical. And I'm not talking Tesla, let's design a car with a straight edge uh, or a pickup truck with a straight edge. But it's, um, I, like I said, I just never really thought about it. And it's, it's interesting. The other thing this guy said is he sees full autonomy, usable vehicles, possibly by the end of this decade, when I think a lot of us are thinking, at least a lot of us my age are thinking we won't see full autonomy maybe in our lifetime. And this guy's saying we're probably 10 years away from it. Of course, I think Elon Musk has been saying we're two years away from it since 2012. So we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. But well, it just- the other thing, the other thing too, like you talk about seating positions, but it also, I mean, you think about it, we no longer, there's not really going to be a forward and reverse in vehicles anymore because if they're autonomous, if they're electric, they could go either way. I mean, they could drive one way, stop, and then just go the other way just as fast. So, you know, it's it's not even a matter of, I mean, you don't even need windows in a pod vehicle anymore, right? You, I mean, you might like them to be able to see out, but would we really need them? No, because you don't need the visibility. You put your cameras on it so that you have an image, a video image of the outside world. Yeah, you could just have like tv screens inside and you oh i want to watch what's outside and then you go oh dear lord i don't want to see that let's let's change it to a movie oh this is the same damn drive i do every day let's go ahead and watch uh a site because i had a reference to site oh yeah i wonder where we are now oh god we're in gary indiana okay let's just let's watch (laughs) something else oh gary that's not too bad (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like i said driving to um barrett jackson that went one year and you're driving west same damn mountain range Mm -hmm. and almost the same size for 12 freaking hours you go yeah it might be why uh i think i want to watch the ocean (laughs) yeah so you like yeah you're just like on a road trip with a bunch of friends you fall asleep you wake up you're like oh you guys put on field of dreams no we're just driving through iowa oh you could be you know (laughs) 
and make tourism interesting. Oh, let's drive by the, you know, the great ball of twine. You could just, no matter where you're at, you push the button and the image comes up. Oh, look, the great ball of twine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could just be sitting in your driveway in your car. Just, <laughs> hey, all right. Never have to go anywhere. Yeah, but it's interesting because think of all the science fiction movies that are out there about future, the future of automobiles or, or not necessarily that's not what the theme of the movie is about or anything like that but automobiles are heavily used in some of these sci-fi movies or what we think the automobile of the future will be there's a lot of movies where there's some type of screen playing inside of those vehicles and there's usually some kind of advertising or something going on right Yes, but they um, all know. have the traditional seating positions. That is, they, they all have true, the traditional entry. Huh? I'm trying to think of all the different movies and the vehicles that have been in them. So I'm, I'm trying to hopefully get one in mind that I can say, you're wrong, John. We know that's impossible. John is never wrong. It's an impossible mission. Is that no, what you're that, saying? No, I don't believe it. You're trying to bring chaos to the show. Would would the report on that be from the minority, John? No. Minority Report, truthfully, is probably one of the scariest. Uh, it, it's a book, number one. But number two, uh, scariest movies about the future of technology. Just if you haven't seen it, watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Boy, that's one of the stupidest comments I've heard in a long time. What? Minority Report, it's the... One of the scariest, it's a book, movies that I've ever seen in the longest time. Is it a book or is it a movie? (laughs) It was a book first, then they made the movie. Yeah, all movies are a book first. They call that a script. It was a published book that people could read that was eventually turned into a movie. All right, you know what? Let's just, let's just, let's just, we're done. Wrap the show. No. No, we're getting close. I mean, but like I said, (laughs) the design aspect of that all of a sudden now. Let's jump into that. Where is that article that I had, though? Um, it'll be it'll be cool. It'll be very, very interesting and cool. And I think what might be fun is when we start lining up our guests for the show. I have one particular guest in mind that we're going to get on the show who is a retired designer from none other than General Motors. Uh, it would be an interesting conversation to have with some of the designers we might have on the show. Where where do you see the future of this going? It will be interesting. It's I think it's a I think it's a good question. Anytime you know, I, I there's a couple of guests that I'm planning to have on to help that are muscle car people that have some feelings about the transition to electric and things like that, and just to see if they've even considered because that that was. It was such an enlightening conversation with the gentleman, and it was on, I'll be honest, it was the uh, latest episode of the Inevitable Project uh, um, podcast with um, the guy from Motor Trend, uh, Johnny Lieberman. And I'm actually going to try to pull some strings and see if we can get Johnny on the show. But, you know, they're talking, and what they're saying is inevitable, that it's all about talking about the EV. There's the, you know, they accentuate the EV, inevitable. And it really, it really excited me. I mean, I kind of like the electric car, you know, transition because it's different. I like different. I like the idea behind hydrogen. We've got an article on, you know, why the Wankel engine is probably perfect for hydrogen uh, and th- things like that. But all of a sudden, when we came to design and how 
autonomy uh, could lift these safety regulations and open up design to the car world again, all of a sudden my heart changed just a little bit when it, when that came about. Yeah. I mean, I like my gasoline engines and I can't remember. I heard something start up the other day and I go, man, that's a good exhaust. Um, but we've had a hundred years to design the car and we've designed some pretty damn good looking cars in you know, a hundred years, but to be able to open the sheet of paper back up and say, here you go. And you know, here's your limitations. You need to have enough wheels to keep the thing balanced and, you got to have a place to put the batteries. Yeah, but uh, in the end, what does that come down to? Enough wheels to keep it balanced. You really only need one to keep it balanced if you got gyros. Yeah. I was so if say. we start using gyroscopes, we could have one-wheeled vehicles again. Or not again, but... I can't see, you know, <laughs> I say I can't see that, but there you go. Radical design. You know, that table in the center of your round car all of a sudden hides that wheel. Yeah. Hey, we have, and I'll, you know, Mix mixing work with secondary work slash pleasure. I don't know. Uh, you know, we at the Lane Motor Museum have a one wheeled gyroscopically balanced vehicle in the collection. We also have a two wheeled gyroscope gyroscopically balanced vehicle in the collection. So it's not that it hasn't been done before. I was trying to see. I've got a picture of that somewhere here. You're talking about the Gyro X, the two wheel. Yeah, the red one, I believe. Yeah, the red one. Yep. And talking about, uh, there's a great example talking about changing the layout of a vehicle and how it can be designed and what designers' minds can do. Gyro X, one of the main people involved in that project was none other than Alex Tremulus. Of course, Alex Tremulus, famous for being involved in the design of the Tucker and uh, also did the paint scheme on some of the astronaut Corvettes, a prolific industrial designer who worked heavily in the automotive industry. I don't know where that picture is. It's so, I've got so many, I've got a really nice hard drive that has all of these organized, but I haven't had it. I don't have it hooked up in the new uh, office studio yet. So I guess we're going to have to do without it. I guess I could probably just Google it and put an image up. Yeah. Or whenever our audio listeners get to where they're going, pull your phone out. Type in Gyro X Automobile Lane Motor Museum. You'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, it's probably the best thing to do. Putting a picture up really is rude to our listeners. Yeah, I'm going to give up looking for it. Oh, so might end up being with a short one tonight, Derek. But what is your um, weekly annoyance? Oh, I don't know. I could probably stretch this out for 20, 30 minutes. You really don't know what it is, Jeff? It's, it's, it's actually very in line with your complaint for this evening. Mine is, is simply people, just, <laughs> just people, especially rude people, inconsiderate people, people who don't care about their property or other people's property. And I'm specifically speaking of property in the um, uh, fashion of the automobile. And th- this really rubs me because, you know, I typically buy slightly used vehicles. I've, I personally, Derek, as a person, I have never bought a brand new vehicle for myself off the showroom floor or the dealership lot, whatever you want to call it. Now, you know, my wife, Christine, 
we got the kids. Uh, you know, when we started fostering, now of course have adopted them. You know, we bought a brand new 2020 GMC Acadia, which we've talked about on the show before, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a 2020 Acadia. We have had it for roughly two years. Okay, somewhere in the two year mark. I don't remember exactly when we got it, but in that time that we have had it, it has four noticeable door dings. And what really got me on this topic is last night I was happened to be looking at the, the Acadia while we were parked in a parking lot. And I was like, why that the, the rear corner panel on the left side, right in front of the taillight just didn't look quite right to me. I'm like, what is this? So I went over to the other side and I looked and I come back to the other side. Sure enough, there is about a three to four inch long crease and dent where someone just opened their, I mean, just slammed their door into the side of the Acadia and put this wonderful dent in the side of it right in front of the tail. And, you know, like I said, there's other small door dings, but then also it wasn't that long ago that maybe a year ago, roughly, I want to say that, you know, a person just changed lanes into the side of the car, brand new car, brand new car. And we obviously, I try to take care of cars and keep them pretty nice because I believe in keeping the cars nice and keeping their value and all of that. But it's the other people out there that have no care. They just they're not concerned. It's like you said, John, these, it's just people are like, oh, I don't care. It's not my problem. And they just drive into the side of your car. They slam their doors open into it because, well, what do we care? We own a piece of junk. Man, why do they have a nice car? And it just, it's, it's irritating. Why can we not respect other people and other people's property, specifically vehicles when we're out somewhere? Just, that's like it's a, just a degree of respect, and it, like, it drives me absolutely nuts. It's a month, a month and a half ago, I was in a parking lot, and I was sitting in my car finishing up a text or something in a parking lot, in a parking space that I had parked in, went into the store, came back out, was doing that, and all of a sudden, the car moved. And, of course, I looked, and I popped out of the car. And the lady next to me, his kid had swung open the door into the, the back of my car. Fortunately, it hit my rubber, the rubber bumper and didn't do any damage to my car. And she just looked at me and said, what? I said, your kid just hit my car. So, you know, like, and I've been in situations like that because most people won't do any. I had a guy I was following down the interstate when I lived in Kansas, um, and I think I was in Missouri or something, and I was driving my dad's Dodge Ram. It might have been right before I moved to camp. So it was like a three-year-old truck. He had just, I mean, just replaced the windshield. It's almost like he got the windshield replaced. I got in and, and was driving to Kansas, pulling the trailer to, I think I was trading a car. And um, following this pickup truck with a trailer with a whole bunch of crap on it that wasn't tied down or anything, and something flew out of it and shattered the windshield. Well, I chased the guy. I didn't chase the guy. I followed the guy to the next exit. He got off at the exit. I followed him in, and he was going into an antiques mall. And I went in, and I, yeah, I finally caught up with him and said, Hey, sir, you, you broke the windshield on my truck. And he goes, What do you mean? And, and just didn't give a flying. 
And he said, what are you going to do about it? And he just walked on in. So I called the cops. The cops actually ticketed him for an unsecured load. And he had, you know, I can't get into the details too much. He ended up having to reimburse the insurance for the cost of the windshield. Uh, So people just act like you're not going to do anything about it. So why the F do I care? It's more people need to do something about it. And maybe people will care, but. You know, I, I know people walk out into a parking lot or something and their car's wrecked, you know, dented or, you know, taillights smashed in or something because somebody is, you know, oops, I hit it. Um, and, and it just, well, I had that happen uh, with my Mazda Tribute 10 years ago. I'm parked at my apartment, gated community, so they know everybody who comes in and out. I'm parked at my apartment. I'm asleep. I get up the next morning and somebody had done something to my car where they had hit it, shattered the taillight, broke, put a hole in the bumper, crumpled the side. Of course, the apartment complex, the gate never worked and they had no video or, you know, come on, you know, show some. It's the old saying, we can't have anything nice. Yeah, well, and and it's also like, I, I guess we're kind of preaching to the choir here, right? Because everybody that probably listens to the podcast feels exactly the same way, but it's a major problem with the lack of respect that I think Americans tend to have now. And also the complacency of, and I've heard it, I've heard friends say it, I've heard random strangers say it, you know, well, yeah, that's, that's what we have insurance for. Eh. That's such a passive attitude. Like, okay, yes, I get that we have automobile insurance. And here's another thing. Most of those people that will slam their door into your car and dent it or back into it in the parking lot and take off, they're the people that aren't paying for insurance and aren't insured auto owners that are on the roads today. <clears throat> but it, it is. It's that lack of you know, it, or it's that complacency and passive attitude that I think a lot of us have come to of, well, it's, that's why I pay for insurance, you know, it's, but here's the thing. If, if you don't go after the person or, or report the person, if you have the opportunity to happens enough and you keep turning it in on insurance, guess what's going to happen to your insurance rates? They're going to go <laughs> It would be shopping for a new insurance company. Or that, exactly. And it's, I totally agree with you. There's just too much complacency in that. But I, I'll also say I follow the um, Thelma and Louise um, statement. And it's much more true now than it was 20 years ago when the movie came. I'm older and I have better insurance. So that's sometimes my retaliation, why I don't care when I'm trying to retaliate. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought, uh, I, I guess I thought that, you know, You'd use the the Olaf the snowman quote from I think it's Frozen too. You can tell I have kids now. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen About, Frozen. I think it's fantastic. I was watching. I didn't even realize that. You know, it blew me away when I was sitting there watching this and this you know Disney snowman character looks up and he goes, you know, he's someone's one of the characters are asking him to, um, you know, what is that thing you always say. And uh, he looks up and he goes, oh, my theory about advancing technologies and as both our savior and our doom. And I was just like, w- w- I had to re- like rewind, rewind. I had to like 
you know, back the DVD up and, uh, you know, listen to it again. I'm like, did he really just say what I think was said about advancing technologies? <laughs> oh, here we go. Maybe my new, my new favorite technology, a Disney children's boot. For those watching the video podcast, I found the picture of my Mazda Tribute uh, the way I found it. The broken taillight looks like broken bumper. Looks like your blinker fluid leaked out a little bit, too. Yep. Now, I do comment there is a handicap symbol on the bottom. This department complex, had that was no longer a handicap spot. They had removed all the signage and all of that, and I kind of had my own private little spot. It was on, on the corner. You know, I had my Porsche in one parking spot, and I had that there, and but... At least they took it out on the Tribute, not the Porsche. Yes, that was a good little truck. That truck with my 6x12 enclosed trailer, best truck-trailer combination I ever have owned. That, that truck pulled it just fine. I I don't know why I got rid of that stupid. I don't know why I get rid of because a you have a problem, John. <laughs> because you have a problem, John. That I'm, is doing re- I'm doing. You really, have really, a problem. Doing really, really good with the Mini. You, I've had it you, over a year now. You might need uh, rehab. And I, I've had it over a year, and I haven't really considered selling it. I've even considered buying extra warranty on it to plan to keep it longer. But well, we did end up making that sixty. See here, nine more seconds. We're at sixty minutes. I'm saying that now, and then when, of course, I edit this for the audio show, you audio listeners, it's wonderful. We usually go about an hour five when we're recording, and I push my little truncate silence, and it usually drops the shows down to about 52 minutes. <laughs> so, I guess Derek and I take long awesome. pauses. It's Well, see, for, for the video, it's that dramatic effect, right? You pause, yes. and you think. And you're going to come up with something profound to say. Yes, but I, I and then you just put anything, it out there for the world. I truncate anything longer than 30 seconds and it gets reduced to 30 seconds. So, I mean, there's still some long pauses left. But I cannot believe that either of us pause for over 30 seconds. That seems, I mean, maybe five to 15. 15 is even a stretch. I watch the counter when filming. I feel like 30 second pause is rare when we're in this, but now promise next week, we're going to dive into car subscription. Uh, We've got a couple new things coming up on the, uh, the Instagram feed. Like I said, I'm going to start getting some more pictures up there. Instagram is going to become busier. Uh, So that's, uh, I think uh, no driving gloves on Instagram. Uh, but go to the website, nodrivinggloves.com, buy us a coffee. If you felt we gave you some value tonight, probably didn't tonight. We apologize. And um, like, share, subscribe, whatever you want to do. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast. Um, but all the links to everything, all the videos are on the website. All the audio shows are on the website. This should be up uh, within the next 24 hours for your audio pleasure in case you uh only hit parts of this in the video. So. But we thank you for watching. We thank you for listening. And I think we're going to be out of here. I want to find a quick little video to exit with. We had a little video. Well, we'll just exit with the same video we start. There we so go. We're out of here. Thanks, everybody. See you.